0: So, this is Vibe Drive episode 133, and consequently, this is the season two finale of the podcast, which means there won't be any more Vibe Drive episodes for a while after this one. I am focusing my attention on other things, but now, I'm not saying that the podcast is going away for the entirety of the rest of 2020. I'm just saying that you all are not going to get another episode from at least a month or two after this one, but that's neither here nor there. Today we have my good friend, Christina in the back. She's ready to rock and roll. She's here. She's next on Vibe Drive, which starts now. What's up people? This your boy Viper, the man about tech. And welcome back to another episode of Vibe Drive. This is the podcast about tech hosted by the man about tech and today she returns to the podcast. That's right. We have the queen of creative flow in the building. So let's welcome back. Mrs. Christina Red, to the podcast. Hey, Christina, how you doing?
1: You know how to hype people up so well. Like you just need to be a um, alarm clock or something. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
0: No doubt. No doubt. I appreciate you. <laughs> so thank you for the time. I know you're busy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So absolutely. the first thing I want to ask you, I know you've been busy and I know why you've been busy. You have been busy because you have recently become, I don't know if it's recently, but you have become an, an Adobe resident. Now I kind of have an idea what that is and what that means. But for those of us that don't know exactly what that means and what that entails, Christina, can you please break down what it means to be an Adobe resident?
1: Yes, so in 10 seconds, and it being an Adobe creative resident is essentially Adobe paying for your passion project. So um, previous residents have had an entire year paid for, so they basically are on salary to pursue their creative dream. Um, you can, basically what you need to do is you need to, like Adobe has applications open, and you pitch them your idea, your project, the thing that you're excited about, and um, Adobe basically sponsors it. So part of it is obviously showing how you use your Adobe products in your creative process. That obviously is a big selling point for them because they get some level of value. Um, But like for my project in specific, I've been really keen on underwater photography and filmmaking, I've done topside stuff like pretty well. So kind of tackling life under the sea and I'm just obsessed with it. So I pitched them this video series idea that I've had since uh, the beginning of isolation and um, they agreed. And now we are, now I'm a resident and I'm, I'm working through that video series with them.
0: That is awesome. Congratulations on becoming an Adobe creative resident. I mean, if anybody's gonna be a creative resident, we got to have the queen of creative flow be an Adobe Creative Resonance. So, that is good money spent on Adobe. So, shout out to Adobe if you're watching or listening. You guys made a good investment. She will not let you down. She is the real deal. Thank so, you. how long? I mean, uh, so I know you said that the idea is that you pitched him a project and then they back your project. So, mm-hmm. I guess I'm just curious how long do you anticipate your project being?
1: So, the project uh, is four videos. I am one video into it, actually one and a half. I'm almost finished with the second one. Um, so it's four videos. Uh, the goal is to do that over the course of a month, but video always takes longer than it should. So I've been an Adobe resident for a little bit longer than I should be, which is really fun because it's fun meeting other the like the other residents and um, the other folk that are keen on it. There's a ton of graphic designers, a ton of photographers and um, yeah, there's not very many video people, but it's nice because it's less saturated. So the video people, it's like, tell me what you do. Let me learn your stuff, as opposed to like the thousand of designers that there are, which no, no shade, no
0: shade. I know I you. I can't. So I already know you're out there interrogating the video. People like, yo, what you doing? Oh my gosh. What you doing out there? What you doing? <laughs> I know how you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it was really interesting the first, um like the first like onboarding meeting that we had, um, uh, Tyler Babin was there Mm -hmm. and he was actually drilling us, like what's your project? And with this project, it's been kind of interesting to figure out exactly how to pitch it. Um, Because like when it's an idea in your head and you have to communicate it to people, that's when you need to like get your verbiage right. You need to be able to explain what you're doing in a sentence. So it was kind of fun being on the spot and explaining what this project is. I reword it differently every time, though.
0: So. Awesome. So this is a tech podcast. And with you yeah. doing underwater content, there has to be a lot of tech involved in that because you just can't take your camera underwater and go, bam, I'm shooting, a, I'm shooting a video underwater. So I'm curious, Christina, what is some of the tech that you are using to film this underwater content? Because like I said, you just can't take a Sony underwater. That's just not going to work.
1: Yeah, I wish that I had the housing set up. It is massive. So I'm using my Sony A7S Mark III with a 16 to 35 millimeter lens, Uh um, and then a dome port. This is the lens. I actually had to black out the, um, like all of the information because just the way the sun hits the dome, it'll actually reflect. So it kind of looks cool. So I'm using that and the the camera housing that I'm using is an Ike light housing. Um, It is, I mean, this thing, we like to travel pretty lightweight. If we don't have to bring a check gun, carry whatever, we won't, but it's not an option anymore. If we're traveling because of filming in the water, it is a massive piece of equipment. So I'm using an Ike light housing with a nine inch dome port. I think seven or nine inches. And um, it's really fun. I've had to shoot manual more often, which I've resisted manual. It's like, well, if I can shoot aperture priority, why would I ever learn manual? Well, I'm learning manual now. Uh, Doing a lot more photography, underwater, primarily because filming underwater is just really hard and I'm not ready for all my footage to be bad yet. Like I need to at least make some good videos. <laughs> so what we'll do or what I'll do is I'll put a, um, a GoPro on the top of the dome port and I'll be shooting photos. So it's really fun hearing that like shutter underwater and um, that's where I'm getting my footage from. So I'm getting my footage from the GoPro. I'm getting the photos from the Sony. Sometimes I'm getting videos from the Sony. And I'm just trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing. I don't, I don't scuba dive because honestly, I just want to jump in the water and go. So I've had to learn how to free dive and hold my breath for like two minutes. Um, some people can hold their breath for like nine minutes, which is absolutely insane. But um, just learning proper breath holding techniques, diving down, um, yeah. When, when is this podcast gonna like officially be out question?
0: <laughs> um, is it like probably not for at least a week or so?
1: Okay, good. Well, I won't tell my mom about this part, but this week is Shark Week, so you can only guess what I'm going to go do. Of
0: course, come with the shark, aren't you? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, no cage. So
0: what? I'm no a bit. Cage. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm a. I'm a bit nervous, but I'm excited for the experience. Um, I'm excited to learn more about sharks and sea life and where well, I'm going with like professionals. I'm not just going with a bunch of friends to like feed sharks. I hope
0: ah, you are going fan. with professional quick guns. What are you thinking, Akriti? What's going
1: on? Here? <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about it. Um there'll be a video about that coming out probably in about a month. I'm backlogged in content, which is how I like it. Um, that way I have time to create. We have a business as well. We basically have a creative agency at this point. We're no longer freelancers. Um, so <laughs> Mr. Techran, hell no. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the content. And I'm really, I'm just going hard in, you know, making myself a presence in the underwater community on YouTube and off.
0: Okay, so I'm curious. I know you said that you carry the, Ike, the Ike-like dome thing that protects your camera while it's underwater. But how do you like go about filming and doing videos with the Sony underwater in the dome? Because... Obviously, yeah. when, you, when you when you're like, taking a picture or something, you you usually have to like hit the shutter button or like tap the touch right. screen. But you really can't get to those controls underwater. Otherwise, you're risking damage in the camera. So how does how does that work exactly?
1: Yeah, I'm texting James. Can you bring me the housing,
0: <laughs> please? So for those y'all listening to audio, uh, she's gonna actually get the equipment that she uses, and I guess we're gonna have a visual presentation. So I will try to describe this yes. to you as the best I can.
1: I'll do my best to describe as well. So with the Ike like housing, it's essentially a big piece of plastic with a bunch of like O-rings and there's buttons for literally, it's in the bedroom. It's There's buttons for literally every single setting. So like you have um, your C1, C2, C3s, you have a shutter. There's a trigger for the shutter. So it's not a button for the shutter. It's a trigger, which feels really, really cool. Mm. Thank you, sir. So this is the housing without the dome port. This is not a very good lens. So the dome port goes in the front, and then behind the housing, you have, um, this is kind of where the camera would go, and you have buttons all around it. There's your record button. Um, My apologies if the camera's not focusing. We're getting a new webcam pretty soon. Um, And then you turn it around, trying to do my good mic etiquette here and right here you have a shutter so the okay. shutter like they there's just knobs and nozzles all throughout um, okay. this thing
0: so for the old y'all listening on audio only what she's showing me essentially looks like some type of uh big camera looking thingy i guess it, i guess it covers the actual camera and this big camera looking thingy has all sorts of buttons and knobs that are kind of in place of the actual buttons and knobs on the camera that you would be using so like i was alluding to earlier You know, when you want to take a when you want to film video on a Sony, you have to like there's a button on the actual camera that you hit if you want to take a photo. There's a button on the actual camera, but when you're underwater, you can't really get to those buttons. So this little big camera housing thing that she has right now in her hand has those buttons that are replacing the actual camera button, which are then used to actually uh, replicate the functions on the actual camera. So it's pretty cool, and I'm guessing that thing has to be waterproof, otherwise it just wouldn't work.
1: Yes. So actually, what I do so there's some there's some uh, camera housings that have a uh, water sensor. And I think I might get one on Amazon because it's literally just a little piece of like strip of metal that you, let me try to get this to focus again. There's a little strip of metal that you put in and it has like a high pitch buzz if water gets into the housing. But right now what I have to do is I have to basically load it with air. So I have to, um, pressurize it so i have this like little pressure gun tsa always has a fun time like what the heck is this (laughs) tell them it's an air pressure gun they don't like that um so i load it with air and i leave it for about three minutes which is pretty annoying Um, i leave it for about 30 minutes and if the air pressure stays the same that means that there are no leaks so it's loaded with air if there are Oh, if there are no leaks, then the air pressure is going to remain the same, and um, that means that no air can get in or out. If no air can get in or out, that means no water can get in or out.
0: That makes sense.
1: Ooh, that was a mouthful. Goodness, that wishes.
0: is a pretty large contraption, and you have to travel with that all the time. You are No wonder You got the guns over there. You got that large contraption over there. Don't no wonder you ain't even got. You ain't got to go to the gym. You got the gym. You bring it to the gym with you with that big thing. Oh
1: yeah, you know it. That's the upper body right.
0: No, hey, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. I know. I see I see you over there working with that big camera thing. That thing has to be like, what, five, six, seven, eight, nine pounds? That thing looks huge over there, man.
1: With the camera in it, it's got to be 10 pounds. And then because it's filled with air, I'm pressurizing it before I get into the water. It's essentially a big balloon. So what? when I dive, it's pulling me back up. So I have to put a five pound weight on top of it. It's pretty annoying, honestly,
0: but I I bet. But (laughs) as long as you can use it to get the uh, footage and photos that you want underwater, I guess it's worth it.
1: Yeah, I this is I haven't been so excited about making content in a very, very long time. I know. Throughout throughout YouTube and like just what we've been doing, we've always been kind of fumbling our way like, okay, what do we do that makes us interesting? Well, we have a business that like we make. Ads for agencies, we're making commercials for TV, we're doing all of this great stuff. Weren't people paying attention to us? But it's because, like, I don't feel like I was really stoked on those videos. I mean, the videos were amazing because I'm a really good editor and James is a great filmer, but it wasn't a thing that I was like really passionate about that, like, that really made us stand out because nobody, I don't know anybody in the tech YouTube space. Who's an underwater photographer
0: so you're the only one i know
1: you know two years from now like this is this is kind of our goal and like the direction that we're trying to take our business um but we have obviously like freelancing stuff which we could talk about if you want but it's totally up yeah. to you it's your podcast do what you want
0: <laughs> i appreciate you shout out to those of y'all listening on audio only this week Thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Drive with me and the queen of creative flow, Christina Red. If you guys want to go check out her underwater content, the links are in the show notes. Definitely go down there and give her a look. You'll see something that you've never seen before. I can pretty much guarantee you that she is legit. Also, if you guys want to support the podcast, there should be a link in the show notes to buy me a coffee. Not required, but anything that you're willing to contribute. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review as it helps more people discover the podcast, helps us get back to the top 200 of tech podcasts on Apple. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please consider leaving a rating or review. Help me get back to the top 200. And thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Drive. So Christina, you kind of explained this a little bit just now, but I, I hopefully you can go elaborate a little bit deeper into it. You have mentioned multiple times already on the podcast that you are a creative agency. Um, I know you said you used to freelance a lot, but now your business is basically a creative agency. So, can you please explain that term?
1: Yes, it's a it's a better way of saying a creative sweatshop. Um, basically, the the background behind it is James and I. James is my husband. We have worked together in the creative space for forever, like since we were eleven or so. Um, but. There was a point where we were kind of tired of working at our day jobs and needed a way out. So we started freelancing. We worked with several different creators, um, editing podcasts, editing their YouTube channel, um, like their main videos. And that got us to a place where we were able to then quit our jobs, but obviously you want to diversify your income. So we went from editing YouTube videos to creating Ads for Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Instagram Stories—literally anywhere that um, a mega company can make money off of selling you ads—we're making those ads. But we're not making crappy ads. We make ads that um, stand apart from all the other ones. Our our goal is to honestly just make really good content, whether it be for us or brands. Um, so we've went from just James and I kind of hammering it away. We have several different people that we work with. So several different freelancers that we hire to make these ads. Um, So we now have a team and everything comes in and out of like from like our, our eyes. We touch every single video that um, is released to the internet because at the end of the day, it's our name. That's on the line. It's our Content that we—I mean, we own the rights to it. It's our intellectual property, and um, I just want to make sure that it's good all the time. So that we've gone from freelancers, kind of working with these random companies, to being this agency where an agency kind of has a weird term to it. I've never really liked agencies, but uh, I think the way that James and I do it is unique because each client gets our attention and. Honestly, it's funding our passion projects and it's helping us build our own brands so we can then kind of shift the tides, either sell or um, just go in the direction that we want to go with our own brands.
0: That is pretty cool. A creative agency where you make ads for different brands. Now, this is probably a dumb question, but I'm going to ask anyway, because I don't know about what you're doing, how your content gets to where it needs to go, but I'm curious. The ads that you make for these brands, where do they end up going? Where, where could somebody like me see that?
1: So if you're on Instagram, you'll see them. If you're on um, Facebook, you'll see them. Mm. Snapchat, Instagram stories, literally all sorts of ad platforms. We have an ad that's on TV now. So Ooh. you might see something that we've created on TV, which is kind of exciting and kind of hilarious because I've always crapped on like commercials, but <laughs> hey, they asked us to make it. And we and so with this commercial that we made, I said, first of all, I didn't ask to make this commercial. They asked me to do it. So that kind of gives me, that definitely gives me way more leverage. Oh yeah. So with this commercial that they came to me and said, we need you to make this thing. I essentially requested full creative control. If we're gonna do this, I wanna do it my way. I want to cast it. I wanna have say of everything. Um, So it was kind of fun being more so in the producer role as opposed to like the video editor role. So we produced it, directed it, um, obviously we edited it and we shot it, We we did everything. And the opening shot of this commercial that's on like all network television is somebody vlogging. And that was really important to me because Commercials are boring. Nobody watches them, except for the Super Bowl. And I wanted I wanted to make something that if it kind of caught the corner of your eye, you would kind of go like, wait, what's going on? We're watching Hallmark and there's a vlogger on the screen. And then you've caught the people's like first four seconds of attention. Now you now you're paying attention. Now you're paying attention to the entire ad. And um, kind of getting the brand's message across there. So it's—I it, mean—that's been really fun, and it's been really fun to work on the back end with companies because, like you know, I were creators. We're creators first, um, and it's really interesting to learn how brands are thinking about it and how you know I can, you know, flip a switch in my mind and go more of the marketing direction, whereas. I naturally would go more in the creative direction. And it's fun merging those two two worlds where marketing and creative, the first four seconds of a TV commercial, somebody's vlogging.
0: I mean, I think me and you both know that the way that advertising and marketing was done in the past has uh, drastically changed over the past 10 years, especially with the rise of influencer marketing. And especially if during this uh, time that we are in the middle of a global pandemic, I think the whole influencer marketing thing is more on the rise each and every day, especially now. So, I mean, that has to make you feel good be- because that's kind of like where you're at per se. I mean, you being a creator, you know how to use your knowledge of making like creative content and knowing what people expect and what they need to keep their attention in order to make these ads for these brands. So you are uniquely qualified to do that, I would say.
1: Yeah, it's 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 crazy because we didn't plan for this. All we wanted to do was not work at a bank and work at Starbucks, um, but we kind of have made ourselves into like this networking community where people are coming to us as like the experts. Like, I recently created an ad that went viral. I've never made a video that has gone viral, um, so now I'm getting all of these requests. It's like, please tell us how you did it and my gut response is, I don't know how I did it. I just did what I thought looked good. But obviously you don't want to say that you want to sound professional. So it's caused me to, um, uh, let's see. It's caused me to basically deconstruct how we make videos and how the videos, like how we make the videos perform well.
0: Definitely. That, that is some good stuff. So (laughs) yeah, I, I am looking at the same thing that you're looking at. Um, uh, I didn't even, I'm throw so into the conversation. I didn't even notice, but yeah, it does sound like your audio is not coming from the Sure because it sounds kind of hollow. So I'm guessing it's not it's coming from your AirPods or something else. It's not coming from your Sure. What about now? There are now, now, now we have Sure audio. There we go.
1: Oh, man, Zach, you should have said that. you <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> Here I am talking into a Sure SM7B. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a potato. <laughs> I'm not a professional. I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Don't you know, I should have picked up on it, but I'm so into the conversation. I didn't even pick up on it. That's funny.
1: My apologies. Uh,
0: It's all good. So while we're on the subject of Zach, he asked a question earlier with his super chat. Thank you, Zach. He wants to know, Christina, do you think a hot dog is a sandwich?
1: That's a, that's a fantastic question. That's a fantastic question. It's a great question. I would say a hot dog is not a sandwich firmly because sandwiches are disconnected. If anything, a hot dog is a taco.
0: Oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now I'm going to flip the script is a hot dog. What's the? Hold on. I think I'm forgetting it. Is a hot dog, a salad or a sandwich? That's the real question.
0: A salad or a sandwich? Is it a salad or a sandwich? How does a hot dog even fall in the realm of salad? It's, it's, okay, then
1: I guess it's a sandwich
0: it's neither now, or but okay
1: <laughs> well no let's not let's not just let's just not deconstruct it <laughs> we have to you need to have like an argument about this
0: oh you want me to actually formally I'm argue yeah.
1: I need you can't just say oh it's a sandwich I need to know why oh, the hot dog oh, right. is not a salad because you can eat a hot dog with a fork if you want <laughs>
0: That does not make a hot dog a salad. Actually, I'm not even qualified to answer what a salad is, because I don't eat salad. But I can tell you it's not a sandwich, because as I explained on this podcast and live stream before, if it is a sandwich, it is a piece of meat uh, in between two individual slices of bread, and that is what makes it a sandwich. The fact that a hot dog is caught in a one continuing piece of bread means it is eliminated from the sandwich category. Actually, somebody answered the question best when they said a hot dog is a hot dog. It's not a sandwich. It's just a hot dog. It, 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 no. It's its category. Yeah.
1: You, no, it doesn't get its own category. It's you can't have one food dog. group. No, 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 no. Okay, forget the salad sandwich thing. You can't have one food group in a category, and you don't say like, well, a hoagie. A hoagie's a hot dog. You can't have just like a hot dog's a hot dog, and that's it. You have very specific food categories.
0: I mean, you can do that, but a hot dog is still in its own little like island. It's a hot dog. <laughs> a hot dog is a taco. All right. Well, if you want to call it a taco, we can call it a taco because it's more of a taco than it is a sandwich. So I, I it
1: definitely would- is more than a taco than it is a sandwich. I mean, that's for sure. Um,
0: yeah. Yes. But I mean,
1: you can you can categorize it as different things. Absolutely. This but- is this is America. You can a hot dog can identify as like. A fruit if it wants to like you can you can have a hot dog as whatever you just live your
0: truth Uh interesting but yeah i think we can agree that a hot dog is not a sandwich mm
1: -hmm. would you describe chips as a salad or a sandwich then you need to answer this or else i'm gonna leave you're gonna leave huh yeah is chips chips bag of chips is that a salad or a sandwich i would say it's a salad
0: it's not a sandwich (laughs) it's a chip well
1: Okay, then it's a salad. You can't just chips can't be its own category. This you is a tech podcast. That,
0: you realize that these are all in their own category, right? Chips don't. No, they're not. they're not. Oh yes. my
1: goodness! What? Are you, wow.
0: How do how you oh, label chips a salad? How does that even work? Like that's not. They're not even an, in an individual thing. Look,
1: it's not a sandwich. You can't put no, a chip a in a bread. It's I mean, chip.
0: The potato chip. That's what it
1: is. <laughs> salad is an individual salad oh, is basically God. leaf chips.
0: Oh my goodness. Leaf chips. Wow. Okay. That that's an interesting uh, classification of a salad. All right. Is okay. a soup a
1: salad or a sandwich? <laughs> a soup is a salad. You eat it with a spoon or a fork.
0: It's a soup its own category. I think soup is its own category. I don't think you can categorize it as a salad. Although there is do a salad whatever I soup, want. <laughs> oh, that's where, that where we're at. We can do whatever. What is it, the <laughs> but you're
1: not allowed to. But you're not allowed uh, to because I'm
0: allowed. It's my pocket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah
0: oh, It not too much isn't is too much so, can you
1: make a sandwich with chips I can you can but then your sandwich becomes a chip sandwich but a chip individually is not a sandwich a chip is a salad I, I yield my I time
0: I don't know where she gets the stuff y'all but I'm gonna let her have it <laughs> so Christina yeah. creator um Ms. underwater photography uh curious what is your everyday carry as far as tech like what what tech do you carry with you every day given that you're always on the go and traveling and things like that
1: um always have a phone no matter what which phone um iphone 10s okay which the mic is doing something weird on it so i'm excited for whatever else is next um I have my iPad Pro, which I used to crap on people who used iPad Pros because I was like, ah, oh, just like I can't see it working. It's essentially a glorified notepad, but it is so valuable just to be able to scribble down whatever thoughts I have. So I really, really love my iPad. Obviously, I need my laptop. And I'm actually not shooting every single day just because the style of videos that we're doing, um, I I don't need it. I'm not a daily vlogger, but whenever I am shooting, obviously I have my Sony a 7s with a 16 to 35. This is my favorite lens, just hilarious because I used to hate wide angle so passionately cause like I used to say, well, it's a shot of everything. So it's a shot of nothing. I was stupid. I was wrong. Wide angle is great. Um, so whenever I'm actually shooting, I'll have the A7S Mark III. Nope, excuse me. I'm getting excited about the future. Um, I'll have my A7 Mark III and then the 16 to
0: 35. So you just made it slip. So I'm guessing that you put your pre-order in for the A7S Mark III, huh?
1: Oh, boy. Yes, Woo-hoo-hoo! I did.
0: Yeah, she didn't even have to say on her. She's like, yeah, I did.
1: <laughs> there was, So it's kind of silly. And thankfully, it's a good camera. But three years ago when I was like really trying and grinding, like I just want to be able, I honestly want to be able to have enough money to pre-order whatever I want. Like that I, I will work as hard as I can to be able to do that. It's not about money, but with, when the a 7s came out, that was like a moment where I was like, I can just order this and it doesn't hurt. Like I'm not taking it from my savings account and just hoping for the best. Um, So that was kind of a big moment for me whenever it came out. I just, I snagged it. I texted James. I was like, it's a good camera, but I think there was a weird part of me and I would not advise anybody do this, but there was a part of me that was like, I don't care if it's a good camera or not. I'm getting it because it was kind of like a, like a milestone in my creative journey. Thankfully, it seems like a great camera. So I'm pretty stoked about it.
0: I mean, all the reviews that I've seen of the camera so far, people are waxing poetic. They're saying it's damn near the perfect camera. Even my man Gerald Undone gave it like one of the highest like ratings on his on his uh scale. So the Sony A7S3 is definitely getting the job done. And I'm pretty sure that you will do amazing things with that device. I can only imagine the content that you're gonna be able to create with that camera.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really, really excited about it. Um, but at this point, we probably need to like chill it with the gear. i we've never been gearheads but i think <laughs> i think we're done i do need to get another one of these lenses the 16 to 35s because when i'm shooting in the and this is one of the reasons why i justifiably got the a7s is because the setup with underwater takes forever i like to just pick up the camera run and go but i don't want to flood my housing so i want to make sure that it's good. Like I want to make sure the camera's in there. I'll put it in 45 minutes beforehand, but that means I can't really shoot anything of really good quality for 45 minutes. And that's usually when things are going. So the um A7 is essentially going to become a photo camera. Mm-hmm. And the A7S is obviously going to become video. That way, um, I don't have to go back and forth, freak out if You know, it's 20 minutes before getting the camera in the housing and have to get into the water and, you know, be anxious about it. But I like this wide angle lens so much that I'm planning on getting another. But then after that, I can press pause on that stuff.
0: So it's funny that you talk about how um, how you can uh, justify buying gear and things like that. I was I had a live stream earlier today and someone was asking me about should they buy such and such gear? And my answer was. How often are you going to use the gear? are you in a situation where the gear can pay for itself in the long run? If you're going to use it a lot and you're in a situation where the gear can pay itself off over time, then yes, go ahead and buy the gear. But if you are in a situation where you are doing it as a hobby or the gear is not going to be able to pay itself off over a period of time, then you probably shouldn't buy because you're not going to, it's not going to be a good investment for that time. I'm curious to get your take on it because obviously you are in a situation now where you can afford whatever gear you want per se, and you're going to go out there and you're going to use that gear to produce your content and your gear gonna make you money because that's how you make your bread and butter.
1: Yeah, I think the way that you put it is actually a fantastic way to approach it. Um, Yesterday, so we were shooting a stop motion for one of the companies that we work with. And I had a moment where I was like, cameras are really good investments. We've made a lot of money with this camera. Um, So I think 100% to what you're saying. And also, it's important not to get hung up on gear. I say that as somebody that's kind of turning into a gearhead, but for a long time, I thought my image would get better if I had a better sensor or like my videos would get better. And when that, I, I guess that's technically true, but better cameras don't make your story better. So it doesn't, like if you, this is no shade to people who just make montage videos But that kind of gets old to see like a big underwater montage or like a big travel montage, because at, at a point, like there's no story, you're just kind of filming out the window and like your hand is like this, what is that? So I say, if you can, if you know your story and you know exactly why you're getting the camera, not just because it is like the next biggest thing I kind of sound like a hypocrite. Cause that's what I was, I said the complete opposite about the a seven. But if you can explain to yourself, okay, I need this camera because I need to shoot 60 frames per second in 4k. Why do you need to shoot in 4k when ten eighty p is just as like, that's pretty fine. Well, I want to shoot in 4k because I want my videos to be in this place. Or, I mean, you can just have that passion for like really high resolution and that could justify it, but as long as you have an answer to some of your questions, like be your own devil's advocate, because um, oftentimes, like the camera that you have is fine.
0: Yep. Well, well said. So yeah. Usually, Renee Richie is here to call trouble, but since Renee Richie is not here to cause trouble, I'll cause it for him. Now I know you're not, you're not the filmer and as James is, but I'm curious to get your thoughts, Christina. Twenty-four frame per second versus thirty. Where do you stand?
1: I say 24 frames per second. I I can't give good reasons because I was just indoctrinated that way. But I will say, I do understand why. Like, I, I can't basically crap on those who like 30 frames per second, but I say 24 frames per second just because it's like, it just looks better. 30 plus. I'm looking at too many frames (laughs) like my (laughs) eyes are like
0: (laughs) my eyes are dealing with a lot,
1: (laughs) but I saw somebody online say like you get better thumbnails or whatever with 30 frames per second Um, because there's obviously more frames. Um, But yeah, I say 24, but I, with a massive caveat of when I first started learning, James told me 24 frames per second was better. So that's where I'm coming from. Mm,
0: okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I mm-hmm. know. Uh, I know. When I had Gerald on the show, he told me he does most of his videos in 24 frame, but when he does live streams, he does it in 30 frame per second, which kind of makes sense because you, obviously, you want a more stable, smoother image when you're live streaming. Uh, live streaming, so 30 mm-hmm. frame per second will be more ideal for live streaming. So that that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the technical specs of things. There's a, there's a point where I kind of my eyes glaze over <laughs> with with stuff. Um, so for example, with color grading, James and I have recently have had the conversation. We need to learn how to do things properly. When it comes to color grading, we just kind of eyeball it. Pull the saturation uh, that doesn't look good. Drop it down a little bit. Uh, let's what's a middle ground that looks fine. But I think we need to start learning a little bit more of like the science and the why behind why you raise highlights and drop the whites vice versa what does that do um, and it's I think with this underwater stuff it's a good place for me to start from scratch because color grading underwater is completely different than on land mm-hmm. and I can get into like the nerdy reasons why but I don't want to bore you um, I'm
0: being chief among them being underwater probably more blue than anything so you need to color grade that correctly
1: <laughs> absolutely yeah so there every like 10 feet or 10 meters, I forget which one that you go down, you lose color. So if you're 100 feet down, there are no reds, the reds are gone. So you'll have like a red filter, kind of like a polarizer filter, but it's just red. You put that on top of your camera to help your camera adjust for all of that. Um, it's It's really geeky. But and granted, I'm not going that deep. So I really don't struggle with color loss that much, except when it comes to shooting photos, if I'm more at the surface and like my subject is a spearfisher and they're 20 feet below me, their, their skin. So I'll use the example with me. I'm very Brown. Um, so when I, James is shooting me at the surface and I'm 20 feet below him, my skin looks blue. And if you take the color, like if you take the color eyedropper and drag it onto my skin, it will show that it's blue. So what I've had to do, and this might not be the correct way, still learning at this point, but what I've had to do is kind of go in and kind of trace my body and bring up the um, like bring up the oranges and stuff, and really bring my skin back to life. That way, there's some level of contrast underwater. So we need to learn the proper like technical ways of doing things when it comes to, you know, shooting maybe in six months, I might be like, you know what? 30 frames per second is the bomb. I probably won't, but I might, if I learn that that is better for some reason, I don't know. Maybe like, maybe the Canadians can convince me. I know like in England, they shoot 25 and like 50 frames per second. I don't know what they're doing.
0: I don't know. That's a, that's a very interesting point that you uh, make. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Very, very Yeah. So, So, you said uh, earlier that you are going to go down beneath with the shark. So, I'm curious, what is your objective when you go down there with the sharks? Are you just, like, trying to shoot footage of sharks swimming around? Are you going to be interacting with these sharks? Like, what what is is the objective when you go down there?
1: Boy, I'm not going to be interacting with those sharks. (laughs) I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't know. know. listen... (laughs) maybe in a couple of years when I have experience and I know what to look for when the shark is like, I'm hungry now, <laughs> but right now I, I'm not trying like, if there's, if there's bait in the water, we can go find some other sharks. <laughs> I, I'm not trying. I'm not playing that because oh. I don't know. I've seen shark week, but I've also learned that a lot of, A lot of this is just like narrative driven and like sharks kind of, you think of jaws and they're just trying to eat you because they love humans. Sharks really could care less about humans. They care more about what you have. So for example, and this is just what I'm learning so far, but um, when we were in the Bahamas about a month ago, uh, we went spearfishing. So we speared a fish, was great. And the second that that fish is dead, you need to shoot up to the top and hold the fish out of the water because then the sharks around will smell. And, you know, sharks don't really have discernment of your arm and a fish. They just want the fish. So they're not going after people. They don't really have bloodlust for people. Um, they're more interested in the thing that they want to eat. The problem is you have sharks and, like, we're humans and we don't do well with shark bites. And, like, so there's there's also, like, certain kind of sharks that they do um, – exploratory bites i think great whites and tiger sharks they do exploratory bites so they just bite on something to see what it is mm. i don't want to be that something so
0: no, let's, not, let's not do that
1: this time of year the location that i'll be going to um it will be more so reef sharks maybe bull sharks which kind of makes me nervous because they tend to have more testosterone and i'm not trying like i just want to be a friend with a shark i'm not trying to be like I I will respect this space. Um, But my goal is really just to get good content. Like (laughs) I want to shoot, um, I wanna shoot photos. So I'll be going with a friend. Um, I'll get some photos of me swimming around. I'll get some photos of him where I'm kind of like documenting and really getting good solid solid photos. Um, And then filming um, just really high quality underwater footage and through this i'm hoping to learn more um i'm hoping to learn more about sharks from like the experts as opposed to learning about them through whatever online like whatever youtube video or like i want to go straight to like a scientist and be like okay why are and i learned about this why is it okay to swim with nurse sharks but you should be a little bit more nervous when you're swimming with a tiger shark. You shouldn't be nervous, but you know, you don't wanna jump in the water with a tiger shark, but it's okay to jump in with a nurse shark. And I learned that, you know, sharks, they compared them to dogs. It's, imp- it's important to know that sharks are apex predators, but you can compare them to dogs where you have a chihuahua or a poodle, and then you have a pit bull. Poodles aren't necessarily known for fighting, because they don't have as much testosterone. Whereas people use pit bulls for fighting because pit bulls have more testosterone built in. Their bodies are built um, differently than a poodle. So in terms of like, you know, great whites are aggressive or, you know, tiger sharks are aggressive. They're not aggressive, they just have more testosterone. Um, But I'm not trying to hand feed anybody.
0: Like I, I would certainly it. hope not. I would I would not recommend friendly shark yeah. or no friendly shark. I would not recommend hand feeding a shark. That's just not what you wanted to be doing. Not at
1: all. It's not my hobby. Not right now, mm-hmm. at least. Um, it's it, what's really um cool about it, or not cool, kind of concerning. I don't know why I said cool. So sharks, um, they're very curious, and they're curious they they when it whenever it comes to electricity. So I'm gonna be holding this big old thing of electricity with this, this, this camera and they can obviously sense your, your fear and all of that stuff. So I have to be very calm. They're probably going to be more interested in me, but not in me. They're going to be more interested in the thing that I'm holding. Uh-huh. Yep. So I don't know. I'm going to play it by ear. You know, I might not shoot as much because I mean, first and foremost, I want to be safe. And if I'm not comfortable with the shark approaching me, I don't want to freak out. So I might, I might, hand my camera to somebody else
0: and how say, how do you well, practice for that? Like, how do you practice for being potential shark bait? There's no training classes for like being a potential shark bait. How does that work?
1: It's, it's all mental. So whenever you're free diving, when you're holding your breath underwater, your body wants to breathe everything. There's a point where your body is telling you you're dying. Um, so what, what will happen, you take a deep breath, you're breathing in oxygen inside your body, it's making carbon dioxide. When you have enough carbon dioxide, that's when you want to exhale, get rid of it, and then breathe in more oxygen. You can hold your breath for a lot longer than you think. And what happens is, when you have that buildup of carbon dioxide, you're not dying, but what will happen is your your abdomen will start to contract. And that's your body saying, it's time to breathe. But when you start to have contractions, really you're only 30%. Like your, your tank is 70% full, you've only lost 30%. So you can really push yourself and calm, like you lower your heart rate and you're losing or you're using less oxygen when you're calm. So all of that is mental. And it, it's actually a pretty big struggle for me because I don't like to feel like I'm dying, you know? It's just not a great feeling. But trusting your body and knowing that, okay, I have 30 more seconds. As long as I stay calm and I slowly my way, make my way up, I'll be fine. Um, so I imagine that mentally preparing yourself to do these really crazy things, uh, I think that is all mental. People do it. I'm not the only person in the world that has ever gotten in the water and documented sharks.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Um, And I was just about to say, that's a life biology lesson, but it doesn't really answer the question of how you prepare to be surrounded by sharks. But you just said it's more mental than anything. It's
1: all all mental. Uh So I've been, I've been, I don't know. I'm just gonna get in the water and see how it goes. I don't know. I've been thinking about like just calming myself and um, just being more so in the moment. Gotta be very Zen. Anyone here? Okay, so hearing me as a Jedi, I've been watching Star Wars for the first <laughs> time and you can just call me Yoda. Oh, I'm going to be very zen. I don't know. Dude, Yoda, he's freaking badass. Oh,
0: Yoda is legit. I hey. don't know.
1: I don't know if you've seen that little old man move, but.
0: um, Yeah. He's like, how face? Like, like, he looks like, like he's not afraid if he can kick you in your face, like in two seconds. Because Yoda is.
1: Yeah. Pretty.
0: But you know, yeah. there's they're, they're one thing. There's a difference between mentally preparing for something. And then actually experiencing that something. So, well, you know what? I mean, it's the first
1: time for everything. I've never yeah. experienced it before. So true.
0: And it's not like you've never been uh, you've never been underwater before. So obviously, you've already done or under you've already done underwater content. So at least that part you'll have down. Now you yeah. just have to get over the oh, I have a shark approaching me. How do I, yeah. how do I react? <laughs> I so
1: it. with a shark, if it's approaching you, you're supposed to swim straight towards it because their prey swims away from them. Their prey doesn't want to deal with it. You have to essentially assert yourself as the dominant animal in the water. Like I said. Oh, so here I, we, uh,
0: So what you're telling me, Christina, that if you get approached by a shark, you are going towards the shark. Is that what you just told me? That's what you're supposed to do.
1: It's, it's great. So when you're when you're spear fishing. That's what you're supposed to do. When you're spearfishing, it is um I'm, I'm excited to like hop back on here in a year when I know way more than what I'm talking about. And it's oh, like absolutely. I've done this we a couple are
0: going, times. of times. Oh, yeah. This is
1: gonna be a fun journey that we all go on. But um, so when you're spearfishing, it's a little bit easier to swim straight towards the shark because you have a big spear in your hand, so you right. have six feet to like poke it. Mm-hmm. So I imagine if like obviously you want to have like your peripheral vision on if a shark is swimming towards me. My game plan is camera out. That way, I have a big piece of equipment in between me and me and the shark. Because if it's going to be my arm or the A7, it's going to be the A7. <laughs>
0: She's the camera. You already sacrificed.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that that's kind of my barrier between me and oh. the shark. Um, but really, there's no way to. There's no way to like, how do you prepare yourself for jumping out of a plane?
0: You don't, you just jump
1: out of the plane. You know, Um,
0: you can say that about most things in life. There's there's a lot of things in life that you really just can't prepare for. You just have to dive head first and then.
1: I mean, it was the same thing. So when we quit our job, I thought back and forth about that so much. We had, we saved, obviously we were responsible, but how do you prepare yourself for saying, okay, no more income. It's all up to me. You don't, you just do it and you adjust as you go. So what I'm excited with, with this situation is obviously I'm like, like you said, Viper, I'm very comfortable in the water. I, I love the ocean. It's the ocean is inherently an uncomfortable place to be because at all times you're trying to survive with what we do. I have a camera I have fins. My mask is fogging up. I got water in my snorkel. It's a stressful place to be, but I really enjoy it. And I love the challenge. Um, so obviously wouldn't recommend somebody who could barely swim to go snorkel with sharks, but, um, I'm very comfortable in the water. And I think this would be a good next step for me to learn and become more comfortable with. Um, I mean, I have friends who proper swim with tiger sharks and hammerheads and like they are shooting I mean Viper I will have to send you a couple pictures but they're, they're models with these sharks they're very comfortable in the water I'm not trying to necessarily go that direction but it's not off the table mm-hmm. um, but the first step is okay let's swim with a nurse shark okay nurse shark was pretty cool let's swim with a reef shark they tend to be a little bit feisty but like baby steps. I'm not going in with a, with a great white, not trying to do that.
0: Okay. I got yeah. you. I got you. Yeah. So before we get you out of here, I am curious. I know you said you pre-ordered the A7S three, but is there any other tech that you were going to acquire before the end of 2020?
1: A new iPhone.
0: Which one? Any, any idea which one you're going
1: to get? Um, I haven't been keeping track. John's channel got deleted, so I haven't really been getting my news. Um, I know that I need a lot of space and that's about all that I know. I don't really need a big screen anymore. I really like the smaller fo- phones, but I don't think I wanna go smaller than what I already have. My phone is somewhere in this house, but- now, do you um,
0: have do you have the XS or the XS Mac?
1: I have the 10s. All
0: I don't right, have the so Macs. You are gonna be looking at an iPhone 12 uh, Mac or a 12 Pro? Uh, both of those are slightly bigger than your 10F Mac, but I don't yeah. know. I don't know if you're gonna rock with the uh the 5.4 inch that is kind of smaller than the 10F. So, um, not much smaller, but it might. But you might you might like the twelve. I don't know. So apparently this year they're gonna be four different iPhones. There's gonna be a 5.4 inch iPhone. are gonna be two 6.1 inch iPhones, and then there's gonna be one big B home, uh, Behemoth 6.7 inch iPhone. So. I'm guessing I feel like Steve screen-
1: Jobs would be rolling around in his grave if he knew how many products were coming out. That's the same product.
0: Yeah, just a little bit. Nobody tells Steve, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Nobody we'll tells. Keep Steve. that a secret. <laughs>
0: right. But uh, yeah, I'm guessing you're gonna be between a 5.4 and a 6one so you, you might like the 5.4. I guess we'll find out. Come uh, come iPhone time this year.
1: Are we gonna get like the finger? I've been dragging mm-hmm. on about the fingerprint no. sensor.
0: You are since still. They, they got rid of it. Of it. ID. I know. I know you. And then
1: everybody. Oh, maybe they'll bring it back now. I'm like, they're, there. They there are
0: rumors that it might come back next year, but as far as with the newer iPhones, no, you're stuck with Face ID for a little while longer. Yeah, well, great. And I know how much <laughs> you're stuck with you probably yeah. hate it more now, given the pandemic. <laughs> it's the worst.
1: But uh, yeah, go did I like the OG SE? I did have the SE. I like the shape of the iPhone. I'm so down for like what they're allegedly coming out with now. I don't know how like how confirmed is that stuff? Uh, I've been so I'm sorry, I've been so out of touch, literally just trying to survive with everything. So uh-huh. yeah, I'm um, really out of touch.
0: Confirmed. We're gonna get a different uh a different uh, design from previous iPhones. So they're gonna look a lot like your uh, iPhone 10 F Map, but it can be a little bit different. It could be more square at all, more uh, mm-hmm. more squared edges and things like that. So we are
1: effective. I wonder I wonder if they'll start breaking more. Remember there was like an a, like an era of iPhones where it was always shattered.
0: I don't. I don't think they're gonna break. I think they're gonna be using the new Corning Gorilla, uh, Gorilla Glass. So I think they will be. But okay.
1: didn't they round the corners because it was? I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah. I think.
0: I think the corner for this iPhone are gonna be more square at all. You know. But uh, yeah. Gotcha. It's gonna be. Sweet. Awesome. But Christina Red. Welcome back. Thank you for coming back to the podcast. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry I've been dodging you, but
0: <laughs> you I love
1: I me. love being on the podcast. I love everything that you're doing.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Shout out to those of y'all that listen to on audio only this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Drive with me and Christina Red. I appreciate you guys rocking out each and every episode. If you want to go check out her content, her channel, and all her information will be in the show notes. So go down there, check her out check out that underwater content. It's legit. Do that. Also, if you want to support the podcast, again, um, there should be a buy me a coffee link in the show notes. Not required, but anything that you're willing to contribute, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Also, if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review, trying to get more people to discover the podcast and get back into the top 200 of tech podcasts on Apple. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving that rating or review. It will be definitely appreciated. And thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Drive. But until the next time, people, this your boy Viper, the man about tech. You know where to find me. So come back for more.